Hare Krishna. A warm welcome to all of you for today's Gita Live session. The topic for the day is Achieving Peaceful Mind. Every one of us are wanting peace in life. There are many things in life which may not be common to everyone. For example, some people may be very, very passionately pursuing wealth. Some people may be very passionately pursuing some other goals. But one thing for sure, everyone wants peace. In fact, many people, although they may be passionately pursuing wealth, they have in their mind that once I become financially secure, I will retire and then lead a peaceful life. So peace is a common denominator in lives of all the people. They all are aspiring for it, wanting it, chasing it wanting to experience it but we all know many a times peace is elusive instead of we having peace our life at times is in pieces so we will have the discussion based on teachings of lord shri krishna in the bhagavad gita on this particular topic We'll start the discussion with prayers. Request all of you to kindly fold your hands. Please join me in offering the prayers so that we can seek the blessings of Prabhupada, our founder Acharya, our beloved spiritual master, Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Panchatattva, Lord Sri Krishna, and with their blessings we get into this understanding. So please join me in offering the prayers. Nama Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prishthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Nitinamine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschat Deshatarine Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shiva Sadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Namo Mahavadanyaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gauratvishe Namaha Namo Brahmane Devaya Go Brahmane Hitayacha Jagadhitaya Krishnaya Govindaya Namo Namaha he Krishna Karuna Sindho Dina Bandho Jagatpate 
गोपेशा गोपिका कांता राधा कांता नमोस्तुते तप्त कांचन गौरांगी राधे वृंदावनेश्वरी वृषभानुसुते देवी प्रणमा हरि प्रिय वाचकलपतरूभ्य कृपा सिंधुभ्य पतितना पाभ्यो वैष्णवभ्यो नमो नमः हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 रामा हरे रामा राम रामा हरे हरे सो हाउ डू वी गो अबाउट अचीविंग द पीस विच we all find is elusive some of us may be blessed with a peaceful mind a peaceful life so krishna in the bhagavad gita has given us a peace formula you know many times we have formulas formula for making a particular drug you know mix different chemicals formula for making let's say a soap or a toothpaste formula for making a pepsi it seems it's quite secret formula and if you know the formula you can make that particular item so what is the formula for peace which krishna is sharing with us in the bhagavad gita mind you many many people have talked about peace have written about peace there have been peace conferences organized there have been missions trying to bring about peace in this world now let's hear from the supreme creator the one who has created this world the one who has created us what he has prescribed for us to achieve peace mind you many many prescriptions which are there in the marketplace in the books written by very eminent authors can have flaw can have some lacuna in their understanding may not be a sure shot way for achieving peace so what is the peace formula so always we have been focusing on three aspects three principles the first principle today we are going to discuss about the peace formula let's learn this formula and see if we can apply this formula in our lives and achieve peace so krishna in the gita says bhoktaram yagya tapasam सर्वलोक महेश्वरम सुहृदम शांतिम रचती भोक्ताराम यज्ञ तपसा भोक्ता मीन्स आई एम द एंजॉयर 
I am the real enjoyer. This reminds me of a story of the limbs going on strike. Now, in our body, we have many limbs, hands, legs, the mouth, genitals. We have also the belly, which actually does not move. All the other limbs are quite active in the sense that they are moving, like the hand you see, it's moving. My mouth is speaking. And after this class, I'll have to walk back to the place. So I use my legs. So throughout the day, various limbs are active doing different things. My eye is busy accumulating visual stimuli so that I can make sense and act based on what my eyes have captured. So one day they all got together. They had a meeting, in fact a secret meeting, where they said this is not done. It's a great injustice to all of us. We all work the whole day, morning to night and this stomach just sits there and does nothing. In fact, all the hard work what we put in, in fact the hand started saying the food which we pick up and put in our mouth and the leg said, all the hard work we do, morning to night, all the walking I do, the stomach sits there, does nothing and simply enjoys. So they all got together and said, it's not done, it's great injustice, this cannot happen, we will not allow this to happen and they all decided to go on strike. Why strike? Just like the strikes happen, the workers do strike to teach management a lesson, to bring them on the right path. So here the limbs went on strike so that they can teach a lesson to the stomach. Now you see how you can enjoy. If, you, if we do not work, let us see how you will enjoy. So they all went on strike and the hand said, I will not do anything, I will not write anything, I will not pick up anything. The leg said, I will not walk, we are not going to put any food in the mouth. If at all we get food, we will try to enjoy independently. And all the organs, all the limbs were in agreement. Sometimes, you know, there, when there is a union and there is some small section of people who are not in agreement, who don't want to participate in strike, but here, it was a clear majority, all of them, unanimous decision, yes, we should teach stomach a lesson and they all went on a strike. So one day passed, two days passed, no food was put in the mouth and the stomach also was nothing there to digest and all the limbs among themselves were discussing and were quite happy that very soon the stomach is going to learn the lesson. But it so happened that while the food was not being put in the mouth, even all the limbs also started feeling some kind of weakness, some, time, some kind of lack of nourishment. They started wondering what is happening and then the hand realized, okay, maybe we are not getting food. So the hand took up some rasgulla and started squeezing that rasgulla. 
so that all the nutrients, the minerals, the vitamins, whatever is there we get from the food which is required for the nourishment of ourselves, for the nourishment of the body, so that the hand can assimilate that from the food directly. But a time came when the hand even did not have the energy to even squeeze that rasgulla to pull out some kind of nutrients from it. And all the organs, all the limbs slowly, little by little, little by little became completely weak, could not even move. So they all somehow got together and said, looks like we have done a big blunder. Looks like our understanding of how we are going to get nourished was wrong. And next day they called up the strike and as usual the food was put in the mouth and all the organs started doing their respective functions. The stomach started digesting the food which was put in the mouth and all the organs started getting their respective nourishment. Now here one may say, is it unfair that all the limbs are working so hard but they are not enjoying the food directly? We have never in our life thought that this is unfair. It is very much acceptable fact to us that each part of the body, each limb of the body is working holistically for the whole. For the whole which is the complete body. And when each limb does its respective function, then as per the design, design of this body, design of this mind-body system, different limbs get their respective quota of nourishment. Something very similar is the case of how the whole system, the world has been designed by the Lord for us to be happy. It may look that this is not done, this is not fair. But Krishna in the Gita says, Mamaiv Amsho Jeeva Loke Jeeva Bhuta Sanatana. We are his Amshas. We are his parts, just like hand is a part of this body. Different limbs are the parts of the body. We are his Amshas. And Amshas, the parts, are meant to serve the whole. Imagine this hand does not function and there is severe, serious infection happening and it stops functioning and that infection starts spreading. Who knows the doctor may say this hand is no longer useful. In fact, we may have to amputate the hand. So likewise, we all are amshas of the Lord and we have been designed to serve the whole. The Lord being the whole, the Lord being the supreme creator, the Lord being the supreme absolute truth, Eko Bahushyam, we are his amshas and we have been designed to serve the whole, to give pleasure to the whole. Now somebody may wonder why it is like that while the Lord is so mean that he wants to enjoy and he expects us to serve him, 
same question we can ask about our limbs, but we never ask that question. It is accepted fact, so long as these are limbs of my body, they are meant to serve the whole. And it is not a master-servant relationship where the servant is simply serving the master, the master is simply enjoying and the servant, poor servant is just starving to death. No, when the servant serves the master, he in turn gets his quota of nourishment, his quota of happiness. In fact, if you see the servants in houses of you know rich aristocratic people, they may be cooking, uh, they may be cooking very so-called uh, elaborate dishes. But I am sure after the master have honored the dishes, they also enjoy the same. In the case of the Lord, it is slightly different. In fact. The design is such like that we are meant to serve the whole, the Lord, and the Lord in turn is busy with only one thing. He has many, many energies to take care of universal affairs. He is simply enjoying the service of his devotees and reciprocating that service by serving his devotees. Sometimes we have an understanding of the Lord who is the supreme creator, he is the maintainer, he is the annihilator. So he must be very, very busy. Just like you know, you have sometimes big businessmen, they are very busy, take an appointment, you have to struggle for days together. Now we extrapolate that. Imagine the Lord who is not just managing a particular company, not just a country, not just one particular continent, not just one universe, many, many universes, material and spiritual. And the Lord has innumerable energies which is effortlessly managing everything. And what is the Lord doing? Lord is enjoying the company of his devotees who are serving him. And in turn, he is busy serving his devotees. Just like Arjuna decided to serve the Lord. And the Lord in turn served his devotees by taking a menial position of a chariot driver. So, when we serve the Lord, just like the limbs serve this body as a whole and they get the required nourishment, likewise when we serve the Lord, when we please the Lord, when we give enjoyment to the Lord, we get our quota of enjoyment. That's why Krishna in the Gita says, Bhokta Ram Yajya Tapasam. I am the Bhokta, I am the enjoyer. When the limbs try to enjoy independently without serving the whole, it cannot enjoy. What is lust? Lust means desire to enjoy independent of Lord. Because of lusty desires, because of material desires, we make independent plans of enjoyment and we do not get enjoyment. In fact, because of those plans, we attract miseries in our life. Yehi bhoga evate. For little pleasure which we may get by being enjoyer, we attract a lot of miseries in our life. 
In fact, we attract a lot of mess in our lives, a lot of anxiety in our lives and the peace of mind which we all are striving for becomes completely elusive. So, Bhoktaram Yajyatapasam. So, Krishna says, one who understands that I am the enjoyer. So, there is nothing wrong in enjoying life. Prabhupada was asked, what is the goal of your movement? Prabhupada said, the goal of our movement is to enjoy life. Sometimes people think spirituality is against enjoyment. Spirituality is all about giving up. Giving up enjoyment, giving up luxuries, giving up money, giving up wealth, giving up family members, renunciation. No. Genuine spirituality means enjoyment, but enjoyment with proper understanding of the things. Enjoyment keeping Lord in the center. For example, here in our institution, we all Enjoy nice food stuff. We don't eat only bland food without salt, without any spices. We eat normal food. But all the food we eat is offered to the Lord and we accept the remnants as prasadam. Our day starts with singing and dancing. A lot of people dance and there is a lot of enjoyment in singing and dancing. Our day at 4.15 starts with singing and dancing. Susukum kartum avyayam, Krishna in the Gita says, Raj vidya, Raj guhyam. This path is, this knowledge is a king of knowledge. It's a most confidential knowledge. And susukum kartum avyayam, it is full of joy and happiness. We are amsha of the Lord, sat chit ananda. We are meant to be blissful. That's what. We constitutionally are. But if we introspect, today we are in anxiety, we do not have peace of mind, we are entangled, we are not happy, we are not blissful. Somewhere we have violated the original plan of the Lord. Just like when you have a formula and you do not follow the formula, you have a prescription from a doctor and you do not follow the prescription, for sure, we will not recover. For sure, we will not make the end product correctly. So likewise, Krishna, the most knowledgeable, the most intelligent person in this creation, in fact, the one who has created this world, has given us a formula. Bhokta Ram Yajyatapasam. So we enjoy. Enjoyment is not denied but keeping Lord in the center. We enjoy nice melodious music in relation with the Lord. We eat nice palatable foodstuff after having offered that to the Lord, first giving pleasure to the Lord. We see beautiful forms, but the forms which are within the framework allowed by the Lord. There are many things which gives pleasure to us Pleasure to our eyes, but it could degrade the soul. It could pull the soul down. We can see the beautiful forms of the deities, beautiful pictures of the Lord, which can give pleasure to us, pleasure to our eyes, and also elevate the soul. All our senses can be used 
in relation with the Lord, serving the Lord and by giving pleasure to the Lord, we get our desired quota of happiness. So first principle which we discussed is the peace formula and today we have taken the first aspect of that peace formula. I want all of you to help me. What is that aspect of the peace formula? It is Bhoktaram, Bhoktaram Yagyatapasam. I am the enjoyer. So the peace formula, the first principle is the Lord is the enjoyer. So if we keep Lord as the prime focus in our life, develop our love for Him, attachment to Him, we will never be frustrated. We will never get into miseries or anxieties in our lives. So this is the first thing which I wanted to share. I will just read out one verse from the Bhagavad Gita. This is in the 5th chapter, 29th verse, where Krishna says, A person in full consciousness of me, which is nothing but Krishna consciousness, Knowing me to be the ultimate beneficiary of all sacrifices, Bhoktaram Yagyatapasam. The Supreme Lord of all planets and demigods, the Supreme Lord of all planets, He is the Sarvaloka Maheshwaram. He is the real proprietor. Everything is owned by Him. He is the true owner. Benefactor and well-wisher of all living entities. Surhudam sarvabhutanam gyatvamam shantim rachiti. One who understands this, he will become peaceful. The second principle which we are going to talk today is related to the verse which just now I chanted. Bhoktaram yagyatapasam sarvaloka maheshwaram. And the principle is, please remember this, I will be asking you to pen it down in the live chat to type it out later on. And the principle is Nirmama. Nir means not, Mama means mine. We somehow in this world come empty handed. Not somehow, in the sense we come empty handed and all of us, irrespective of how much wealth we have amassed, all of us without exception will go empty handed. Nobody has taken anything with him, any of his degrees, any of his wealth, they have gone back empty handed. But while we are here, Janasya Mohoyam Ahammameti. What is Ahammameti? We fall in the illusion under the influence of Maya. Ahammameti, I and mine. Before I took birth, the land was there. I come in this world and develop attachment. Under the influence of illusion, this land is mine. This property is mine. He is my brother. She is my mother. 
जनस्य मोहोयम अहम ममेती आई एंड माइन वी डेवलप अटैचमेंट टू पीपल टू थिंग्स कंसिडरिंग देम इट्स माइन आई एंड माइन वी गेट अटैच टू दिस बॉडी सो वॉट इज द कॉन्सेप्ट ऑफ निर्ममा निर्ममा इज टू कल्टिवेट द अंडरस्टैंडिंग दैट इट इज नॉट माइन इट इज लॉर्ड्स वन लेवल ऑफ रिनाउंसिएशन ज्ञाना एंड वैराग्या एवरी रिलीजन इफ यू टॉक अबाउट एवरी स्क्रिप्चर ऑफ द वर्ल्ड टॉक्स अबाउट रिनाउंसिएशन इवन इन इस्लाम यू हैव यू नो द फास्टिंग एंड देन रमजान एंड ईद कुर्बानी even in christianity every religion of the world talks about renunciation tithing giving up 10% of what you earn to the lord to the church jnana and vairagya to give up so that we can cultivate nirmama it is not mine so this nirmama when we practice genuine spiritual principles purification anartha nivritti all that illusion all the wrong perception all the wrong ideas what we have slowly starts dissolving and one comes to the right understanding that it all belongs to the lord so that's why in the verse which we chanted bhoktaram yagya tapasam sarvaloka maheshwaram krishna is saying one who understands that the lord is the true proprietor everything i have including my body is made of material elements it's been given to me after i leave the soul leaves this material elements will be dismantled i do not take this body along with me so this has been given to me the intelligence has been given to me the strength has been given to me some skills have been given to me my abilities have been given to me a dead man has no abilities it is coming from the lord and when we recognize and understand that everything belongs to the lord so renunciation first is to give up it's not mine is half job done there are a lot of faiths which talk about renunciation it is not mine and to give up and the most important aspect of renunciation is it's not mine but it is lords there's a verse which says prapanchitika buddhya prapanchitika buddhya means when we think this worldly objects buddhya with this mentality hari sambandhi vastuna all the objects have some sambandha have some relationship with the lord but if we think that they are material there is no sambandha with the lord and if we have that mentality hari sambandh vastuna परित्यागो इफ यू गिव अप सच ऑब्जेक्ट्स थिंकिंग दैट दे हैव नो रिलेशनशिप विद द लॉर्ड मनी इज माया एंड वी गिव अप मनी थिंकिंग दैट इट इज माया फलगु वैराग्य कथ्यते सच वैराग्य सच रिनंसिएशन इज कॉल्ड फलगु वैराग्य और फॉल्स रिनंसिएशन
I remember when I was very new to Krishna consciousness, I had started visiting temple in Bangalore. As I mentioned in my previous uh, Gita live session, after the office hours, every day in the evening, I would go to the temple. And one of those early days, when I visited the temple, I was given one seva. One devotee took me to his cabin and he said, I have something to type. Can you help me? I think some festival was coming, some, you know, the passes were to be sent and some address labels were to be created and I was supposed to type something. And there I saw in the devotee's cabin a computer. In fact, the computer was there because he was in charge of IT, taking care of all the printing needs of the temple. And he also had a laptop. It was very difficult for me to reconcile. Typical understanding of a sadhu means, you know, he should be poverty stricken, living in very simple surroundings, no gadgets. And here this person, supposed to be a sadhu wearing saffron robes and having a laptop, what kind of renunciation is this? What kind of sadhu is this? Typical understanding of a sadhu means he should have a kamandalu, he should have, you know, clothes and even the clothes should not be iron, clothes should be tattered, you know, some hole should be there. I mean, more tattered the clothes, the more is the renunciation of that sadhu. That's the typical understanding. So for me, it was little difficult to reconcile how can they be sadhu and still be using a laptop. And then again, the next day when I was coming to the temple, I used to visit every day. I saw one of the devotees driving a car coming up the temple. I said, my God, here we have another sadhu driving a car. It was very difficult initially for me to reconcile how can they be renunciants, they be sadhus, they be in renounced order of life and still be driving a car, still having a laptop. So that's why the right understanding is if we have the objects and we give up thinking them as material without knowing the relationship with the Lord, such renunciation is called Falgu Vairagya, false renunciation. When we understand the entire energy, the material energy is Lord's energy, it has relationship with the Lord. And that energy, when utilized in the service of the Lord, is no longer a material energy. For example, I am using a microphone here. This microphone is being used in the service of the Lord, to talk about the Lord, to preach the message of Bhagavad Gita. This microphone is no longer material. I can use this microphone without having to worry about that I am using material things and hence I might get attached and get entangled. So they were Raja Rishis, Parikshit Maharaj, Bharat Maharaj, Amrish Maharaj, they were living in palaces amidst opulence, Pandavas. But although they were amidst material opulence, living in palaces among comforts, they were great devotees of the Lord because they had the consciousness 
Nirmama. That's why Parikshit Maharaj, although he was the emperor of the whole world, when he was cursed, he got to know that in seven days he is going to leave his body without even thinking for a moment. Because he was not attached. It is all lords. He renounced his kingdom, renounced all the luxuries, all the comfort, went to the bank of river Ganges and for next seven days, without even eating, without even worrying about any of those material comforts, just heard Srimad Bhagavatam and left his body. If we were to give seven days notice, we'll, the next seven days we'll be busy settling accounts, you know, just writing our wills and you know, taking care of all the properties and all those things. All our near and dear ones. But they were Nirmama, it's not mine, it's Lord's. That's why at a certain point, even though they were kings living in the palace amidst opulence, at a certain point they would just retire and go to the forest. The whole battle of Kurukshetra was fought so that they can get the kingdom back. But at a certain point, they just went to the forest. The Pandavas retired and went to the forest. Bharat Maharaj, he was a king. At a certain point in his life, for pursuing spiritual life, went to the forest. So this Nirmama has to be cultivated simply by artificially renouncing. If suppose somebody says, you know, this job, this family, all this is, all this attachment, all this material things, it's too much. I want peace and I'll go to the forest. I'll go to the Himalayas. I'll go to the mountains and meditate. The mistake we are doing is that mentality has not changed. Even if we artificially renounce and go to the forest, we'll get attached to the tree under which we are staying. We'll get attached to the begging bowl, the kamandalu which a person may have, thinking that it is my kamandalu. So that's why our acharyas do not recommend that we just give up our jobs, we give up our family and artificially renounce. Rather, wherever we are, whatever we are doing, whatever duties we have to execute, our responsibilities, we execute and simultaneously cultivate spiritual principles, practice spiritual principles, whereby the purification of heart will happen, purification of consciousness will happen and will develop the consciousness that it is not mine, nirmama. So the second principle is, I request all the devotees today to help me with the principle. You can type it out in the live chat. The second principle is, let us see who can get it first. A clue, it starts with N. Yes, here we have Bhajan Kumar Nayak Nirmama. Nir means not, Mama means mine. We have to cultivate. That's what Krishna is saying in the Bhagavad Gita. Bhoktaram Yagitapasam Sarvalokam. He is the true proprietor. The wealth what we have is actually Lord's wealth. The property today we have, I am just a caretaker. It is actually Lord's. 
the body which i have is actually lords he is the rishikesha he is the master of my senses so to practice this principle now one is the theory part of it one is a practical aspect of it how do we cultivate nirmama by voluntarily parting with something which is very very dear to me for the pleasure of the lord the first principle is the lord is the enjoyer the second principle is lord is the true proprietor i am not the proprietor it is not mine now both the principles can be put in practice by parting with something which is very very dear to us what is very dear to us invariably money they say money is sweeter than honey a lot of murders in this world lot of economic activity lot of action which is happening in this world is all revolving around money people cheat others people engage in criminal activities people engage in all kinds of so called activities just for the sake of becoming wealthy so if we can part with hard earned wealth for the enjoyment of the lord for the service of the lord for the pleasure of the lord the first principle is respected bhoktaram yagatapasam the lord is the enjoyer and the second principle is we also develop the consciousness that it is not mine it is lords and when we do that we get the blessings of the lord and because of the blessings of the lord because of mercy of the lord true jnana and vairagya develops in our heart that understanding that lord is the true proprietor he is the true enjoyer that jnana that realization dawns on us that's why krishna says this knowledge is the most confidential knowledge just by reading just by hearing we may not realize this understanding so an action item a prescription whatever we are earning some portion 5% 10% give it to the lord if we don't have in faith in the institution let's say in devotees per se because many times we have seen sadhus amass wealth and at times you know they get embroiled in some scandals use it in the service of the lord distribute the message of the lord use that money to serve the lord if you have a altar at the home you have deities you can engage that money in serving the lord offering nice palatable foodstuffs make nice decoration offer flowers to the lord offer nice garlands to the lord that way we will get the blessings of the lord and for sure as krishna has given us the peace formula we will surely achieve peace in our lives so we have talked about the first principle which is the peace formula we talked about the lord is the enjoyer and the second principle we talked about is nirmama it is not mine before we get into the third principle 
let us serve the lord give pleasure to the lord by chanting his holy names participating in kirtans glorifying the lord and we have nice compilation today for all of you we will enthusiastically participate in the kirtans and immediately after the kirtan gets over in 10 minutes from now we will resume and we'll get into the third principle Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare Hare Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare
recap what we discussed so far the first principle was the lord is the true enjoyer he is the bhokta the second principle was nirmama it is not mine it is lord's the lord is the true proprietor proprietor of all what i possess including my body since he is the proprietor everything has to be used in his seva the proper use of my intellect my body my mind my senses is to serve the lord now we discuss the third principle and the third principle is he is our real well-wisher in short our real वेलविशर सुहृदम सर्वभूतानाम ही इज अ जेनविन 
true well-wisher for everyone. Suhridam Sarvabhutanam, all living entities. Now, somebody may say, you are saying that Lord is the well-wisher, but we see people are dying of hunger. We see tsunamis, earthquakes, famines, drought. On one side you are saying he is a well-wisher. On one side you are saying that he is the supreme Lord. He is the creator of everything. He is all-powerful. How can he be a well-wisher and people dying of hunger, people dying of starvation, people not having food to eat, people not having potable water to drink? People are facing so much miseries in their life. Financial problems, health problems, mental problems, relationship problems. And you are saying the Lord is the well-wisher? The answer is yes. The Lord is the well-wisher for everyone. Just like the Nirbhaya case, you know, it became for many, many months, for many, many years, in fact, it was in limelight, headlines. Eventually, those four of them were hanged to death. One may say the government was cruel. One may say that they were mercilessly hanged. The government is meant for doing good for the people, the welfare of the people. The same government at times is forced to even punish some of the citizens. So likewise, if there is misery in this world, if there is pain in this world, if there is anxiety in this world, if we are not peaceful, the session is all about achieving peaceful mind, we are to be blamed. We are responsible. Now, Nirbhaya case, or this, we had that uh, uh, the person who came and shot uh, the terrorists who attacked the Mumbai, I forget the name, Kasab. We cannot say that, you know, why we hanged him. He is responsible for that act, for the terrorism because of which he deserved that kind of punishment. So all of us unknowingly, out of ignorance, are acting in so many wrong ways. And as per the law of karma, we are getting reactions in the form of pain, misery, anxiety. And we cannot blame Lord for that. Now somebody may say, no, I know a person who is very devoted, very pious, very spiritually inclined. He chances rounds very diligently, he reads Bhagavad Gita daily, he visits the temple, he also attends Gita live session, but still he is suffering. Yes, there could be residual karma, point one. Point two is, Lord also at times sanctions miseries in the lives of devotees just to teach them some very, very important lessons which otherwise we don't learn. For example, a father out of love for his child, may even slap the child. A child who is not doing his homework, child who is not studying for his exams, the father may even be ruthless with that child, may even beat him, punish him, scold him. 
deep within the intent behind that action is actually love for that child well-being of that child the child the father wants that his child if he does not study his future will be very bleak for his bright future the father does not mind child to be tormented to be beaten to be scolded to be punished so that he learns his lessons well and comes on the right path so this whole material world is designed by the lord there are threefold miseries which are inflicted based on our karmas so that we can come on the right path we can learn our lessons that's why in the bhagavad gita krishna says bahunam janmanam ante after many many lives of going through lot of tribulations lot of miseries lot of anxieties lot of pain lot of suffering and when we start question why why this is happening and by the mercy of the devotees by the mercy of the lord if we are fortunate to get the message of the lord we will realize where are we going wrong why we are not peaceful because we are trying to be independent enjoyers because we are trying that this is all mine meant for my enjoyment because we have forgotten that krishna is our real well-wisher we have no faith in him we have no relationship with him we have forgotten that relationship bahunam janmanam ante after many many lifetime when we realize that lord is the true enjoyer he is the true proprietor nothing is mine everything belongs to him everything has to be used for his service he is my true well-wisher he is there in my heart guiding me leading me directing me when we come to our senses krishna says such a soul will come back to me bahunam janmanam ante gyanvan maam prapadyante vasudevam sarvamiti samahatma durlabha that atma who has come to that understanding is very very rare so today in this world if we see lot of pain lot of misery lot of agony it's not that lord is cruel it's not that the lord is merciless it's not that the lord is not powerful to elevate that pain today because of coronavirus if people are dying it's not because the lord cannot find a cure for it or probably the lord has is powerless or helpless things have gone beyond his control no we are getting what is due to us we cannot blame the lord lord is still our well-wisher even if we go through pain even if we go through problems he is our well-wisher we have to keep this in our consciousness if we have this in our consciousness even if we go through trials even if we go through tribulations if we have that lord is my well-wisher lord is trying to teach me something what is that lesson which i have not learned in fact kunti maharani is saying lord give us more and more miseries so that we can always remember you because miseries are an impetus to remember the lord in fact there's a study done online many many people are now become inclined to learn bhagavad gita in fact many devotees are busy 
with many online courses on Bhagavad Gita because today, because of all the pandemic, all the chaos, all the turmoil, people have started asking questions. Let me understand Gita. So Kunti Maharani is saying, Oh Lord, give us more misery so that we can remember you. So we should always remember the Lord is our real well-wisher. Suhridam Sarvabhutanam. We should not doubt the existence of God if we see misery all around us. We should not doubt where is God when we see somebody is dying of starvation. We have created mess in this world because of ignorance, because of acting in sinful ways, then we cannot blame the Lord for the reactions which manifest in our lives. So I request uh, devotees to help me with all the three principles. I'll start with the first one. The Lord is the true enjoyer is the first principle. Bhoktaram Yagyatapasam. I can request the devotees to help me with all the three principles which we covered. In fact, three principles are part of the peace formula. So here we have, when we become Bhoktaram Yagyatapasam, Ashwin Srinivasan Veldan, Amitabh Shivastava, Deepak Chaudhary, Geetika Bose, Neelam Gupta, he is the true enjoyer, he is Nirmama and he is our real well-wisher, Suhridam Sarvabhutana. I request all other devotees also to type it out. It's a reinforcement of learning and for sure others also who are reading it can just make sure that these points get reinforced in our consciousness when we go about leading our lives. So if we have this understanding in our mind that Lord is the true enjoyer, He is the true proprietor proprietor of everything and the third one that he is my well-wisher. No point in my life, no matter what I go through, should I point fingers at the Lord. Why me? Lord, why are you taking me through this? Always remember he is my well-wisher. In fact, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, Oh Lord, whether you embrace me out of love or you crush me, by not being present before me, make me broken hearted. You are my Lord unconditionally. Our bhakti, our love for Lord is very conditional. We go to the temple with a wish list, with a checklist. I want this, I want this, I want this. If those, uh, the check boxes are ticked, if my demands are fulfilled, my faith in the Lord is intact. If it doesn't happen, Maybe, unfortunately, in India, you know, we don't have scarcity, fortunately for that matter. We have so many Devi Devatas, so if one God doesn't work, maybe we go to another God. It's not like that. That's why in one of the sessions we said, even if we pray for something specific, we can add in our prayers, if you so desire. The Lord knows what is best for us. Whatever is transpiring in my life, it is as per the plan of the Lord. Let me accept it gracefully. Let me not rebel. Let me not brood, have ill feelings, hatred against anyone. For sure not against the Lord also. 
and with this consciousness if we lead our lives we will be peaceful yes externally there may be some ups and downs in life one may go through some difficulties but deep within there will be intrinsic peace the example is given just like the ocean there's lot of turbulence on the surface lot of waves but deep within it is very silent sometimes when people do scuba diving and they go deep within you know it's a ocean life it's very very silent corals small small fishes it's very very tranquil so we will achieve that tranquility that peace if we practice these principles in our lives so we'll take up some questions first question is from uh, the user id is attraction dk lord krishna within all of us then why some living entities doing wrong things if everything is going well in satyuga then why god created kaliyuga i have mentioned in our previous classes the lord has given us a free will if the free will was not given then we are no better than robots no no better than computers just you program and then they helplessly execute the instructions we have a choice the lord has given us the choice when we misuse that choice when we misuse that free will we attract misery in our life all that today we are talking about peace of mind our mind goes into pieces all the anxieties because we violate the lord's instructions sometimes unknowingly most of the time knowingly so <clears throat> different yugas in satyuga everyone was very god conscious very dharmic was practicing the principles in kaliyuga unfortunately as the the yuga progresses the dharma declines and because the dharma adharma increases yada yada hi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata because that dharma dwindles uh, because of which irreligion increases and people start engaging all the sinful activities and hence they suffer this question is from chanchal saha what is the difference between iskon and other hare krishna worshipers why iskon devotees do not go to other hare krishna worshipers temple is there difference in rule on how to go to krishna there is no restriction we also go to other temples but we worship other gods especially devi and devatas with proper understanding and the understanding is that they are also devotees of the lord and we pray to them that you can also please give me your blessings so that i can also be become a nice devotee of the lord it is mentioned in the krishna book that the gopis used to worship goddess katyayani not for some material benediction not for fulfilling their material desires but for fulfilling their spiritual desires to develop attachment and love for lord shri krishna so there is nothing wrong if we have to go to any temple of devi and devata but we can 
offer our prayers to such Devi and Devatas and beg their blessings so that we can become wonderful devotees of Lord Shri Krishna. This question is from Sudipto Chatterjee. While chanting, if mind is wandering in some material issues, is it a sin? I chant loudly. It is one of the ten offenses to be inattentive while chanting. The Lord is very merciful. For sure it is not a sin, but it is an offense and we will not get the desired benefit of such chanting. So we try initially when we start chanting, definitely we cannot avoid inattention. We will not be able to fully avoid all possible offenses. In fact, the ten types of offenses which we do against the holy name. So as we keep chanting, as purification happens, slowly the offenses also reduce and the pure effect of chanting will start manifesting on us. So it's not a sin in that sense, but it's an offense and we should strive to continuously improve the quality of our chanting and be attentive. This question is from Sanjay Tank. Tank, sorry. Uh, peace be, can peace be achieved through wars? As we look at our history, the two major world wars were happened to achieve peace in their respective countries. As I mentioned earlier, people are trying different ways, different means, at times in, even through wars to achieve peace, but that's not the right way. No doubt, even in the battle of Kurukshetra, war did happen, but that was Dharma Yuddha. But in these days, lot of fights, lot of conflicts, lot of wars, lot of riots are happening in, in, a, in the garb of so-called bringing peace to the world, bringing peace to the society, bringing peace to the community, but that will really not help. Prabhupada used to give example that United Nations, that whole organization was made so that you know we can avoid wars, we can bring about peace and harmony. But we see the number of flags in United Nations, number of countries are on the rise. That means more and more dissension is happening, more and more conflicts are happening, more and more schisms and partitions are happening. So the real peace can only be achieved if we follow a sure shot formula from none other than the Supreme Lord Himself. All other initiatives for peace will have lacunas, will have shortcomings and will not necessarily bring about the desired peace in the world. This question is from Pratik Singh. Some people are engaged very much in devotional service but at the same time they exploit laborers, workers at their workplace at extremely bad level. What Lord will do to these kind of persons? Many times we use the word devotees. We have seen devotees doing service of the Lord and still engaged in some unmentionable activities or so-called sinful activities. Please keep in mind, devotees is not a binary zero-one logic. There are all kinds of devotees. Somebody who has started chanting one round, have started reading Bhagavad Gita is also a devotee. Somebody who is chanting 16 rounds and not following all the four regulated principles is also a devotee. 
Prabhupada is also a devotee of the Lord. And great Acharyas, exalted personalities, the Goswamis, also are devotees of the Lord. So when somebody is practicing devotional service, every one of us are treading that path. Some have just started, some are halfway through, some are almost reaching the nearest, the, the finish line. So we will see, while we are treading this path, because of past anarthas, because of our habits, because of the vasanas, because of lust, because of greed. Prabhupada said this International Society for Krishna Consciousness is like a spiritual hospital. Just like in a hospital, when does a person join the hospital? Not that after he has got cured. To get cured, he gets admitted in a hospital. To get spiritually cured from the madness of lust, greed, pride, envy, I am the proprietor, I am the enjoyer, I am the well-wisher of everyone. To get cured of that madness, we tread the spiritual path and try to become devotees. While we are treading, some of these lacunas which are there, lust, greed, pride will manifest because of which we may act at times in ways which are not appropriate. That's why Krishna in the Gita says, one who is treading this path, even though at times he may act in abominable ways, still that person has to be considered saintly. There could be some habitual responses. Habits die hard. Just like when we switch off the fan, fan is moving and you switch it off, it doesn't come to halt all of a sudden. It takes time. We have to be patient. And while we are practicing this principle, some anomalies may be there in our behavior, in our actions. We have to take in stride so long as we are trying to practice the principles sincerely. This question is from Deepak Chaudhary. Trying a lot with chanting, yoga, art of living, vipassana, pranayama and hearing one's Bhagavad Gita chapter every day. Even doing it now regularly but in vain. This is true but with most of the retired persons around us and is their common question. How to overcome for having peace of mind? Many times... <clears throat> This question may be asked, I am practicing it for last two years, three years, I have done this meditation, I have done, you know, this chanting, I have read Bhagavad Gita, but still I am not peaceful. Why this peace is elusive? Suppose we have this fan, I gave the example of a fan, and fan is moving at, you know, there are numbers, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 for speed, and let's Take an example, the fan is moving at the topmost speed, number 5. And you switch off the fan. It doesn't come to halt all of a sudden. In fact, if the fan is moving at number 5, at topmost speed, it will take long time for it to come to a halt. If it is moving at number 1, it, is, it will take a relatively shorter time for it to halt, to stop. So likewise, we all have accumulated so much baggage over many, many lifetimes. We have cultivated attachment. 
we have cultivated that consciousness that I am the enjoyer. We have cultivated that consciousness that I am the bhokta, I am the proprietor. It takes time. Purification will take time. More so genuine purification, real purification, not some superficial stuff. Superficially, yes, there are some audio programs, just put it on your headphones, your mind will become peaceful. Because at the brainwave level, some alpha waves, theta waves, beta waves, it can have some electromagnetic, some influence on the brain waves and a person can experience some kind of peace. We are not talking about that peace. We are talking about genuine peace. The peace which even Pandavas experienced even though they were in forest. The peace which Pandavas experienced even though they went through a lot of trials and tribulations in their lives. The peace which Prahlad Maharaj experienced when his father was tormenting with all kinds of difficulties and problems. So the real peace what we are talking about will take time if we tread this path. A lot depends on what's the past baggage. How many sinful activities we have done. How many attachments we have nurtured even in this life. In fact, Bhagavatam says that a devotee Always thinks when he goes through some challenges, he says the Lord is very kind, Lord is very merciful. I should be suffering much more. What I am getting is a token reaction. And while he suffers the token reaction, thinking that as a mercy of the Lord, he engages enthusiastically in serving the Lord with his mind, with his body, with his words. Hitvad Vapubir Vadata Namaste Jiveta Yo Mukti Pade Sadaya but in material consciousness, when we go through some difficulties, when we are not getting peace of mind, we start doubting the Lord. We start doubting the principles which the Lord has given to us. We start doubting the instructions of the Lord. Rather, doubting those instructions, we should think that how sinful I am. In fact, we should thank the Lord. Lord, I should be suffering much more. I am grateful to you for whatever peace I have today. That should be our consciousness. That is what Bhagavad Gita is, Bhagavatam is talking. This question is from Yashoda Prakash. What is real peace relative to? Is it to mind, soul, body, social relation? What is real aspiration of peace? As I mentioned earlier, the real peace, what we are talking about, which Krishna is talking about in the Bhagavad Gita, is little different from the so-called understanding of peace what we have. In fact, in the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna wanted peace. He did not want to fight the battle. He said, what's the use of even winning the kingdom if it is tainted with the blood of my own kinsmen? So he wanted to withdraw back from the battle, not do his duty as a Kshatriya and be peaceful. The whole Bhagavad Gita was spoken by the Lord to inspire Arjuna to do his duty. So what we are talking about peace, the peace what we are talking about is a much deeper intrinsic peace and that 
is possible when we raise our consciousness to Krishna consciousness. This does not mean to say that a person will not have peace of mind even externally. So long as we are in this material world, let us remember, we will get old, old age will come, diseases will come, death will come, our near and dear ones will depart. We cannot avoid that. We cannot have a false expectation that once I become a devotee, everything will be peaceful in my life. There won't be any diseases, there won't be any infection, there won't be any death, there won't be, I will no longer become old. It is not practical. It is not reality. As a devotee, yes, we will become old. As a devotee, yes, my eyes will become blurred. As a devotee, one day will come when I will not be able to walk properly. A day will come when I will have to leave this body. Prabhupada is an Acharya, a pure devotee of the Lord. In 1977, when he was in Vrindavan, last days, he was on the bed. All the organs one by one were failing. You know, even he had stopped taking medicines. Practically eating nothing. In fact, technically speaking, medically speaking, because all the organs were failing, I am sure, you know, he must be in a lot of pain. All the parts must be paining. You know, when we have fever, we feel so uneasy, so uncomfortable. Now imagine all the organs are failing, you have not eaten, you are lying on the bed for days together. Even in such a state, Prabhupada was dictating Bhaktivedanta purports. Everything, there is a video on the YouTube. Everything, in the last days, when the body is in pain, material pain, organs are failing, high fever, his consciousness is clear. What is he dictating? Everything is moving as per the plan of the Lord. This consciousness is called Krishna consciousness. He is completely unaffected. Completely unaffected of the pains of the body. He is experiencing genuine peace. Our understanding of peace means no bodily pain. No mental pain. No mental anxiety. The real understanding of peace, what Krishna is wanting to give to us, is willing to, for us to experience, is irrespective of material circumstances, irrespective of material up and down, irrespective of all what we go through in this material world. Janma, Mrityu, Jara, Vyadi, we have intrinsic deep peace within us because of that deep faith that Krishna is my well-wisher. I am his amsha. He is my caretaker. He is my well-wisher. Everything belongs to him. I belong to him. If we cultivate that consciousness, Krishna consciousness, then we always experience peace irrespective of what we go through in life. This is real peace what Krishna is wanting us to experience, which Prabhupada is wanting us to experience. This question is from Lakshman Singh Rathor. 
the rapist who raped nirbhaya they were hanged to death by the law of country so are they now free from the law of karma is there any connection between the law of karma and country the first question is yes when we suffer some punishment some pain because of some misdeed we have done to some extent it nullifies the the reaction the karmic reaction so in that sense in earlier vedic times also capital punishment was there because let's say if a person has murdered he was punished and he was hanged to death so that the reaction of that karma of having killed someone murdered someone is nullified by killing him so to some extent yes we can say that the reaction of them again finally karmana daivanetrena we are not the lord the lord is the ultimate decision maker he decides what nullifies the karma or what part of the karma still remains we just understand the principle this question is from chanchal saha this is the last question does a person remembering krishna at the point of death feel pain or death does prabhupad felt that pain i answered that question just now prabhupad at the last days during the last days although his was in extreme pain as far as physical body is concerned but as far as consciousness is concerned was completely clean pure and peaceful this is what genuine true krishna consciousness in so let's aspire for that shri prabhupad has been very kind and merciful to all of us he has given his wonderful books which are pure transcendental knowledge let's read those books let's follow his instructions let's understand his teachings and i'm sure if we practice them in our lives if we elevate our consciousness we will also experience the peace which we are talking about today